Jim. Perhaps this or perhaps that. And probably, though all of our reasons would be possible, none of them would seem sufficient for the loss of these women's lives, which grieved their families and hurt the members of this church, their church. If you or I were to base our trust on God, in God on speculations about what good may have resulted from a tragedy, then our faith would quickly crumble. So if faith in the ultimate goodness of God does not come from guessing what his good purposes may be, from where does it come? The answer from believers through the ages is, once again, the cross. We trust our sovereign God because he has shown us his heart at the cross. There where any one of us would have stood and cried out, This is wrong, God. You must stop this. Our Savior made heaven's greatest good come out of earth's worst tragedy. At the cross, we learn that God is good and can be trusted, even when everything seems wrong to human sight. I recently ran across a story that explains the nature and foundation of true faith better than any I have ever seen. The story tells of a miner who, though a stalwart believer, was injured at a young age. He became an invalid. Over the years, he had watched through the window near his bed as life passed him by. He watched fellow workers marry, raise families, and have grandchildren. He watched the company that he had served thrive without attempting to make adequate provision for his loss. He watched as his body withered, his house crumbled, and hope for better things in this life died. Then one day, when the bedridden miner was quite old, a younger man came to visit him. I hear that you believe in God and claim that he loves you, said the young man. How can you believe such things after all that has happened to you? The old man hesitated and then smiled. He said, yes, there are days of doubt. Sometimes Satan comes calling on me in this fallen down old house of mine. He sits right there on my bed where you are sitting now. He points out my window to the men I once worked with and whose bodies are still strong. And Satan asks, does Jesus love you? Then Satan makes me look at my tattered room and he points to the fine homes of my friends and again he asks, does Jesus love you? Finally, Satan points to the grandchild of a friend of mine, a man who has everything that I do not. And Satan waits for the tear in my eye before he whispers in my ear, does Jesus really love you? Startled by the candor of the old man's responses, the younger man asked, And what do you say when Satan speaks to you that way? Said the old miner, I take Satan by the hand and I lead him to a hill far away called Calvary. There I point to the nail-pierced hands, the thorn-torn brow, and the spear-pierced side. And then I say to Satan, doesn't Jesus love me? 
The cross of Christ is the reason for confidence in God's promise of ultimate good despite great heartache. Jesus' agony did not indicate that God failed or that the faith of the one who died was weak. The suffering caused and inflicted by evil still was within God's will and served a purpose so loving, so powerful, and so good that our eternity changed as a result. Through Jesus' resurrection, we learn that our God has power over evil. But through the cross, he gains power over our hearts. Though the human mind will reach its frayed end trying to reconcile earth's tragedies with God's goodness, the heart remains bound to God knowing that the provider of the cross can mean no ill. Making much of the blood is neither maudlin nor manipulative. Rather, the sacrifice of Christ is the heart's ultimate solace in times of greatest pain. When we remember the cross, our faith in God's sovereign purposes strengthens and comforts our hearts, though tragedy comes and human answers fail. No less a faith stalwart than Pastor John Stott acknowledges the import when he says, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. It is up to us to embrace these truths acknowledging the mysteries of the sovereignty of God in the face of tragedy, but affirming with greater frequency the necessity of confidence that God's eye does not blink and God's hand does not fail. If our God lost control or never possessed it, then we are at the mercy of some cosmic dice of fate. The Bible tells a different story, however insisting that the Lord rides on the storms to deliver his people from this present evil world and to secure us for the next. We trust in him not because we can explain our circumstances, but because our God has revealed his character at the cross. The one who shed his blood for us can be trusted to love us. The one who gave his life for us can be trusted to provide what is best for us. And the one who purposed all this before the foundations of the earth were laid can be trusted to direct our paths to glory. Sheep trust the shepherd whom they have learned is good. And we trust our good shepherd because he has laid down his life for us. We must always return to the cross, to the place where the Good Shepherd saved us, so that we will trust Him to carry us when the darkness is too great to see our way or to discern His. Amen. You can talk as long as you want. <laughs> Obviously, I've had a, a rough couple of weeks, but I can say right now that I'm closer to God than I've ever been. I'm not mad one bit about anything that's happened. And uh, I'll go into this more at a different time, but, uh, you know, 
something happened. My, I was driving my daughter to school. She hasn't missed a day of school this week because she's in God's hands at her school, and I'm as comfortable with her being there as anywhere else. But uh, on our way to school on Thursday morning, she says, Daddy, I had a dream last night. And she's like, well, before I say this dream, my daughter was in with my wife with me through all this. She prayed for the angels to come take her mommy to heaven. We released my wife multiple times prior to her going to heaven, and I did that with my daughter by my side. And on our, and on our way to school Thursday morning, she said, Daddy, I had a dream. She says, uh, it was mommy. She was in heaven. She was running around free, and that she was uh, happy, and that she did not want to come back. And that was not, you know, that wasn't just a dream. God put that there so she could be, so we all could be free we all know that she's where she's supposed to be but God gave her that dream and I am not mad at him one bit I think <clears throat> that's uh, reminds me of a story that John told me recently that he was having a discussion with Cliff Duras about raising people from the dead. And Cliff looked John square in the eye and, and said, if I die and you bring me back, the first thing I do is going to be to punch you square in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and then as he was relating the story to me yesterday, he said, unless I don't go to where I think I'm going to go. <laughs> then it might be a good thing. Um, I'll be honest, I don't really know exactly what to do right now. Um, if you need prayer, we'll have some folks at the back um, ready, willing, and able to pray for you. If you just need to go hug somebody, then just go do that. One of the things that death does is to remind us how terribly short life really is. And so I would encourage you, uh, if nothing else, to just speak life and to speak love to those that are close to you and to affirm what they mean to you. Because we never know just how long we have. Now, Jen and Maggie both knew. They knew the end was coming. And I think they were able to say all their goodbyes and their family was able to say goodbye to them and many friends as well. But not everyone has that chance. So don't wait. <laughs> if there's a, an issue in your life that you are harboring some kind of unforgiveness or bitterness over, don't wait till it's too late to tell the person that you're sorry or to release that. We say it all the time, but carrying bitterness around is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's not a winning formula. <laughs> if there's someone that you haven't seen in a while that God just seems to be bringing to your heart, then reach out to them, call them. Tell them that you love them. Do all those things. And do them often. One of the most <clears throat> touching things that I ever 
heard a musician say was, I was there was a song that Stevie Ray Vaughan recorded live. It was a, just a fantastic guitar player. And in the middle of the song, he stopped and he just started talking to the, uh, to the crowd. And basically what he, he said was pretty much exactly what I just told you, was that you know, he had sought life in all the things of the world and it came very close to killing him until he finally realized what was really important in life. Now unfortunately, he did die far too soon um, but it sounded to me like he had made his peace with God and with life uh, before that happened. And so, if you don't believe me, believe Stevie. <laughs> and, and, ha and take that opportunity now. It's just, we have just too little time to be carrying around a lot of anger and guilt and shame and all of those things. And so if prayer would help you to release some of that, then I would just encourage you to seek that out today. Um, if you need to forgive someone and that person is no longer around, you can still do that. You can release that to God. And trust me, that burden will be lifted from you. So we're just going to let our prayer folks uh, be at the back. If you have that need, then encourage you to do that. Otherwise, we're just going to worship a little bit more. Um, you can stay as long as you like, or you can leave whenever uh, you need to. So I will close this in a prayer, and then you just uh, go whatever direction you want to go in. So Father, I just give you thanks. I thank you that all of us had the opportunity to know and to be known by the two uh, amazing women that we, that we honor and pay tribute to today. We, we truly are heartbroken at the loss. But we have confidence that they are in such a much greater place. And for that, we are just unspeakably joyful to know that their pain is gone, that their bodies are no longer limiting them, and that they are face to face with their Savior. I just ask your blessing now upon all of those that are gathered here. Let us leave this place determined not <clears throat> to hang on to anything that is keeping us from a, a, a full and deep and meaningful relationship with you. <clears throat> because all of the things that I've mentioned, guilt, unforgiveness, shame, they all get in the way. And it's not until we release those things to you that we can truly have that kind of a relationship, the kind that we need and the kind that you desire. So give us whatever is needed. Courage, strength, a willfulness to do what, is, what needs to be done to free ourselves from whatever chains bind us.
We give you thanks and praise that we have the ability and the freedom to do that. And we do so with the confidence that when we do, that freedom will be right there waiting for us. So I just give you thanks and I ask your blessing upon all of these, your people, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.